You're listening to Sacred Sips, the podcast that normalizes uncomfortable conversations about spiritual topics that normally stay hidden in the shadows. I'm Rochelle Paye, an intuitive channel. And I'm Serena Myers, an author and sacred transformation coach. And we're glad you're hanging out with us today. Grab your favorite bevy, kick back, and let's jump in. Welcome back to another episode of Sacred Sips. I'm Serena Myers, and I am hanging out with my bestie, Rochelle Paye. Rochelle, what's in your cup? So I have a beautiful tea. Today, I felt like I needed a little bit more ceremonial. So I have, um, there's this little spot in Steveson, for those of you that are local in British Columbia, in the Lower Mainland. That's a long way to say the name of this. store. Um, But it is Nikato and they have an amazing tea selection. So I am having a green Earl Grey tea from them today. And it always requires the perfect temperature, you know, the perfect brewing steeping time. So I really felt like I needed to take that moment. And there it is. (laughs) I love it. I love the ritual of tea, actually. And you wouldn't know it by the fact that I'm always drinking water. I'm drinking water this week, too. Um, but there, it is kind of magical just to give yourself the, the moments and to the particularities, especially with like a green tea or a white tea, those ones that are super delicate and they need a little bit of extra intention in the preparation. I feel like that's me this week. I'm a little bit delicate and I need a bit of extra intention. <laughs> oh, yeah. your, green, your green tea, Rochelle. Oh, see, and for me, um, I know every episode we've had so far, I've been leaning on water and it has been huge for me lately. And I know today we're going to talk about navigating the inner knowing and particularly that relationship that it has with the body. And for me, anytime I know that I'm in big shifts, I'm like, glug, glug, glug. Like I cannot get enough. I keep like a little pitcher of water at my desk. I refill it multiple times a day. Um, And that's the space that I'm in is just needing that extra support for myself to be able to do the heavy lifting they've been doing with the energies that I've been in for the last while or so. Well, I know this might sound like we all know it, but guess what tea and coffee are all made out of? (laughs) Hmm. What could it be? Beautiful water that always flows through us and for us. (laughs) See, and I love that that that's my excuse for having my one coffee every day. It's like, yeah, okay, caffeine, whatever, but also water. (laughs) Just legitimizes it. Like water is just such a sacred gift. And I know anytime I've really done a lot of travel, really connected to my spiritual connection, water spots have always been really activated for me. I love going to the hot springs. I love finding a beautiful flowing waterfall or a creek to sit down somewhere. Um, And it's also been a big exploration. So I normally, if I travel and I travel quite a bit, will always have a water intention. And it's, I'm realizing it's not even conscious. It's just the nature and the connection of of the essence of that space as well so yeah for me water just represents just so much healing and movement and I know the emotional body is often connected oh and we got a a crow flying by so it must be true (laughs) they're like yeah water (laughs) so you're you're a cancer moon as well right I am yeah so I have that same relationship with water and cancer being ruled uh, as a water sign I would not be surprised if 
Um, it has like, cause you wouldn't think two fire signs would be like, yay, get me by the water. And yet I feel exactly the same. Like right now I'm in this dreaming phase of um, when we purchase a home and I'm always like, how close can I get to the ocean? How close can I get to that lake? How close can I get to the river? Like whatever it is. And then, you know, I'm a, what a two minute drive to the river now. And I'm like, it's not enough. Like I want to be able to walk there. Like I want to be able to walk there in like five minutes. So there is something about it. And it's funny because as you were talking, I was thinking about the work of Dr. Emoto. Have you seen these? Oh, yes. I, I haven't gone too far into it, but I have seen like the, the, cur- the water changes with our intention and, but yeah. Yeah. Explain. <laughs> yeah. So for those who aren't familiar, Dr. Emoto did this work about the vibration of our words and how it imprints on water. And in particular, because our bodies are made of water, uh, it's so important to be mindful of the vibrations that we're taking in. So um, he would speak to these waters and either say loving things or critical things or whatever, and then freeze them and look at the crystallizations. And the ones that were these beautiful, loving, generous words um, created these beautiful little snowflakes, these gorgeous little crystallizations. And then the other ones were kind of a little little janky. (laughs) They just weren't feeling it. Right. And like, isn't that, isn't that how we feel? Does how, like, how much does that show up for us? And because like, we know that because we experience it, but to be able to see it um, in this beautiful expression is such a nice little way of being like, oh yeah, maybe I should be a little bit mindful about what I surround myself with and what the words I speak to myself with and and the and the things that I allow people to say to me and treat me Mm -hmm. um it's a good reminder because it's all energy and it's all imprinting because you my darling are a tall walking glass of water (laughs) (laughs) well in truth we are because aren't we it's like 70 percent or something we're made up of water and so our own inner workings. And there's, there's actually a practice that I really love to do for myself when I'm working with an intention is I'll actually write on my water bottle, a post-it note, and I just stick it on there. So there's this anointing my water with an intention. When I'm drinking my water, there's the intention. So it's also that little daily dose of a reminder of really what I want to bring in or purify or clear whatever is coming in for me. So there's a lot of really beautiful ways. Um, and even I really, really love rose water. I'll notice when my body needs different things at different times. Sometimes it's lemon, sometimes it's rose, sometimes it's just purified, beautiful water as is. So it's always interesting to also see what the water wants to evolve into to support as well. Mm. Yeah. And it's funny, we're talking about like the ritual of tea, but I feel like it's like the ritual of water. And I actually do bring it into my rituals. Like if I'm going to be doing any kind of workshop or energetic space, whether it's as a participant, Um, or the ones that I lead. And I'll talk more about that at the end of today's episode. Um, But I really believe in using water as like almost like the vessel of our intention. And it's something that we're not only imprinting in, but then we're also taking that in. So we're not just putting that, you know, that intention into the universe of, hey, I'm calling in this particular energy. It's also, and I'm calling it into such, you know, conviction and and commitment that I'm also taking that into my body. So it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a really, it's a really juicy way to support yourself. And I've been noticing um, there's like a nice little crafter trend that's happening on Etsy where people are putting loving messages on water bottles and selling them. And it's a nice way to kind of make that official. I know um, a girlfriend of mine is a doctor of Chinese medicine. She used to just take a Sharpie to her water jug and it said love. And so every time you would be drinking her water, you had a little, little zhuzh of love in there, which is Aww. nice. 
That's so beautiful. I know I have like a collection. I still am holding on to a little bit of my water from Glastonbury from both the Chalice Well and the White Spring. Um, you know, I have water. Um, well, I have sprays right now that the guides have asked me to create and they asked me to go up into the mountain, get glacier fed water. So it's really interesting, this specific, um, even channels that it comes through because ocean water feels completely different than a still stagnant pond or like the flowing rivers feel different than say a glacier lake up top and so there really is this magnificent calibration of the different energies they bring in as well and just yeah I don't know I just love water <laughs> I had the same thing when I went to Mount Shasta and it's been like almost two years and in my desk even I have two little roller balls that are filled with Mount Shasta water because I like to bring in the elements into my altar and such and I don't just bring in water I bring in like water from Mount Shasta and I have some kind of a connection to that space. Like I could feel her before I even got there. I was like, oh, I think we're close. Um, and again, it's that it's the spring water. They've got like um, they've got a fountain that's there and people go and I took like a giant like jug and filled it up and I've made room sprays and stuff with it too. And there's something about it that is just a little bit more magical. <laughs> I don't know if that's a story I've told myself or if that's truth, but I think it's also our attachment to those things because you've got a deep connection with Glastonbury. Yeah. So of course that water is going to feel extra magical for you too. Well, it's funny because the amount of times I've checked water into my luggage <laughs> I'm always like, okay, let's just make sure the top is tight that I like maybe do some extra taper padding around <laughs> <laughs> because yeah it's it's been a big part of my journey um and specifically connecting to the land I find water for me has always had really that healing potency and I know there's a lot of places on my bucket list that are really these beautiful sanctuaries and activators um so I can't wait until we get to travel and explore again because oh my <laughs> I miss it and you know it's so funny to think like just not funny haha but like just how much the world shut down and I mean yeah okay like we're, we're not able to get water from random places on the planet but like everything has slowed down and I know travel was so huge for you but I mean I, I traveled a lot for work not like you but I like I feel I'm, I'm ready <laughs> I've got some itchy feet at this point <laughs> not just to go like you know pursuing water although I do tend to find myself in in places with water more often than not but um like when I went to LA I have not seen most of LA I have seen Venice Beach. I have seen one particular patch of Venice Beach that doesn't even allow swimming. It's mostly surfers. And that's just like, it's just home for me. But yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for the world to open back up again. Yeah, I, well, it's interesting because I became a flight attendant before I really started my, I'm going to say, I always air quote my spiritual journey because, you know, it's all, all a spiritual journey, just my conscious identity. Um, but it was really a way that would move energy for me because anytime I got on a plane, even if I was just doing a turn, say to Mexico and back in the same day, there's movement and just like the velocity of that is really powerful. So I didn't realize to help me process energy, flying and travel was that for me. And even putting my feet on the landscape of a different area would really spark a connection. So for me, I almost hacked my system with how to actually process and deal with my emotions. And often when I, I would be very tender in my early days before a flight. And when I came back, everything would be shifted and I'd feel really in my power and embodied and, and really more in tune with gratitude. So 
it's been really fascinating for me to find out through my Akashic record keepers later on that travel and specifically flight itself actually really has helped me to move the energy when I didn't know how to move it before. So, I mean, this is what we're talking about today is like energy and our knowing and how it feels in our body. And I'm curious because like, we're both quite sensitive. I don't want to, I, I mean, like empath is, is a bit of a buzzword right now, but really what we're talking about is clear sentience. Like that's really, truly what we're talking about. Um, how is it for you? Um, I mean, I know that you're talking about like flying being this thing that's shifting the energy, but you were also in a tin can with a whole lot of people's energy. And with that, like people's fear of flying, you've got stressed out parents with crying babies. Um, how is it for, for it to be so enclosed? How was that? Well, at the beginning, I was going to say I was a hot mess a lot of the time. <laughs> because, Yay, transparency. Because I didn't know, and it would be a lot. And I've been, a, I was a server for a long time. So I've been in customer support and we all know what it's like to have, you know, a really negative experience and that just impacts you. Um, and I often have always gone out of my way to say, how can I make this enjoyable and always maybe choose one family or a couple people to really give the wow factor. So I've always made it a little bit of a, a human game for me, but it wasn't really until I realized how much I was draining because all of these people and the heightened fear and anxiety and everything that goes into the long days um, just to get there. It was really overwhelming at times and I often would, would be depleted. Um, and even though I'd feel like I shifted things, there would be that exhaustion that sets in and not just from the jet lag. And so I found over the years, like learning, so anytime you're on a flight with me, you will have your airplane shielded and beautiful white light. I will be shielded myself. I invoke all the angels, the um, the master saints, prophets, and all the beings of protection. And I always ask through the law of grace that we are always held and supported and safe. And I find just being really intentional and shielding myself. So often I'll do light shields around me. Um, I just have the angels vacuum. There's a really cool um, angelic vacuum that you can have where it's just this vortex where they're constantly just taking things out of your field that really helped. But then I kind of came to this space where I actually find it so magnificently beautiful that like 300 plus people have somehow aligned their lives so we are all in this tin can flying in the sky together and for me there's just such a presence to even just acknowledge whether our paths will cross again just that alignment that we all chose to be here in this moment and that really has moved me a lot of times to tears and and I've also had some phenomenal experiences with people that have stuck with me I, I can still even think of some really generous kind human beings um, and their impression for me is also really stuck out so um, yes I was a hot mess at first because I didn't know how to protect my energy I didn't know what to do but now that I have really strong um, protectors and shields and barriers or um, I'm going to say bass are they're recorrecting boundary from barrier. <laughs> they're like, and it's There's not a, a difference. Barrier. It's a boundary yeah. girl. <laughs> uh, it's shifted a lot for me. So, but I, I feel you tend to also really pick up a lot more kinesthetically. So what are your practices or where do you find that places are overwhelming? Mm, so for me, I think clear sentience was the one that woke up first for me. I just didn't, I actually kind of thought everybody felt the way that I did. I didn't realize it was different. Um, cause I remember being like this when I was like eight, nine years old, I could always feel things. And 
Um, once I started to actually talk about it, people thought it was weird and they think it'd be really funny to test it. So my friends would be like, oh, hey, we need to go meet at such and such. And they would bring me to this park and it would be at night. And I remember this one point where I was just like, oh, uh, we, we got to go like this is and they'd start laughing. And someone had, you know, uh, ended their life there the night before and things like that. And I could feel because I mean, for someone to get to that point, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of desperation. And I, I couldn't I didn't have the words to articulate it then because I was probably 12 maybe 13, um, but I could feel it. And I was like, oh, we got some bad juju here. We got to go. Um, and they knew. And so, you know, my friends would kind of test me in these little environments just to see um, if I would respond. And of course I did because I didn't, it didn't, I didn't even know to filter it. Um, I, when did I actually learn to, I don't, I don't think I really started to properly shield myself until my thirties as awful as it is. It was like 20 years of being completely impacted by um, everything, everyone I was around. Um, you know, the, one of the first healers I ever worked with was talking about um, my nervous system and how, not only how activated I was because of the environment I grew up in, but also that I was doing all the work for everybody else who couldn't. So I was just the sponge of my family. I was, I was the vortex that the angels put on, on the airplane and I was moving a lot for everybody and they were still feeling a lot. So it took, it took some time. And, it, and I think the biggest thing was realizing that it didn't have to be that way. Cause I didn't have someone in those early days to guide me on my intuitive development and to teach me what the tools were that I needed to cut and clear and whatnot. And now today I would say um, the only time I really get hit is if my guard is down, like if it was unexpected. Uh, a couple months ago, I was in a group program and we had a session that had a lot of sharing in it. And I don't think I was quite anticipating how vulnerably the other women were going to share. And so and if I had been the facilitator, I would have gone into that shielded up because that's how I run my my sessions. Um, but I was not expecting it. And it was a good two days and a couple of sessions of therapy because I booked back-to-back -back calls um, because I was processing their grief and their pain. And um, and by the time I realized that it was impacting me, it was already there. So I was like, okay, we got to cut and clear. So I have on my altar, I have this beautiful serpent dagger that I've been using that whenever I do really big sessions, I go... And I don't just cut the, the lines in like my heart center and in my back and around me. I really go in my hands because I pick up so much there. Uh, I think that's the first place I ever, my hands and my gut are probably the first places I ever really felt um, energy moving. So I do a lot of cutting and clearing there. I work with tools like Sage. I work with Orosoma White, um, with Florida Water, with, uh, I have a huge, huge black tourmaline that sits on the center of my altar as well. So I can sit down and release into that really beautifully. And I've been working with that for almost 10 years now. Um, and it, it got me through even like my mental breakdown. That was the stone that I worked with. So I, um, I have my own protective strategies, but mostly I do a lot of like cutting and clearing after the fact, just to make sure I'm, uh, the term I like to use is energetically sovereign. I really mm -hmm. like to have that, um, and it's not a lack of love. It's not a lack of, of, of compassion. It's really about, this is where my energy ends. This is where yours begins. And let's each be responsible for ourselves. Yeah, I, I really love the energy sovereign. And I just want to say a moment with how really shitty that was that you had experienced that with your friends because, I, and I get it, like I was a freaking dick myself when I was a kid and you're just learning and you think things are funny, but to be on the receiving end of that and to know that is 
very, very hard to mm-hmm. navigate and process. And what do you do with that if you are 12? Um, as even for myself, I know I kept a lot in. I didn't explain to a lot of people my experiences because when I did, you know, I felt like I was doing something wrong. So I know what it's like to really be experience things that I feel children shouldn't. And then you're kind of left trying to pick up the pieces and figure that out. And that's a really hard place. Um, so I just, I think it creates that otherness as well. Right. I know so many sensitive and intuitive kids who go through life thinking they're these little weirdos or these little outcasts and really what they are, are little divine beings who are just a bit more open than everybody else who, and we all came into the world open. We just closed at different times. Right. And, um, you know, I, I really thought I was a weirdo for a very long time. And, and then I became kind of commodified. I was like, you know, I started reading tarot when I was 14. So it was like, oh yeah, Serena and the cards and oh, Serena and those visualizations, which I didn't know were guided meditations, but I could just create these, these really vivid energy experiences, not knowing that that's what I was doing. Um, Serena, who like talks to dead people, like it was like this gimmick, and it wasn't one of the thing I want to be known for. I want to be like Serena, the creative, Serena, the writer, Serena, the actress, Serena, whatever. I didn't want to be Serena, the weirdo. Um, and I think it, you know, in my twenties, I just stopped sharing that part of myself. And it wasn't until it kind of accidentally woke back up again in my late twenties that I even could reclaim that and do it in a way that felt really good to me, mm. you know, and a big part of, I mean, a big, big part was just showing other people how they all had access to those things too. Cause then it wasn't that. I was weird or special or different. It was just that I was doing something that everybody could do. They just hadn't been taught yet. So it helped. And I think that's a really important thing. It's just, we haven't been taught the tools and that so often, I know even for myself, um, like I was always in tune and I will give my mom credit because when I look back, she used to buy me books on yoga when I was like 10. I, she bought me like the chakra candle set when I was younger and I didn't even know what these things were. So there really was I do think my mom was able to see more than me. And I remember she brought me to my first psychic at 16. A friend of hers had one come to their basement. And and so it was really, so she really did nurture that for me. I just didn't know how to wield it. And I just assumed it was other people's things, um, you know. And so when we're not taught the tools, they can feel overwhelming or we feel outcast or, you know, we make up stories or we just, like you said, we assume other people just experience the world in that way. And when we start talking about it, we realize they don't. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think it was, I was my... So I went through a couple counselors and then I found a really good psychologist um, and he really taught me a lot of visualization techniques that helped to kind of lessen pain in my body, really help move things through. So that was kind of the start of just at least processing my energy. And he did that in a clinical container. So I didn't really connect the piece. And then it wasn't until I would, th- I would say my first, so the very first modality I was introduced to was electromagnetic field reprogramming. And they used a lot of muscle testing and then we would there's like portals and geometric um basically alignments with numbers that you can do to recode your body so we had set an intention we would muscle test within the body and then basically we would do an integration with manuals from there and it was really cool because i remember at the beginning they would muscle test a random person and just from behind their back they would do a thumbs up or a thumbs down and how the body responded to that even with the negative was even just with the the thumbs down the body would shut down and so it made me really realize just how important our field is and to protect ourselves 
And it's really interesting because over the years, so I started with basically just clearing myself all the time and then it built into light shields. But I have had this one experience and I'm so grateful to this one person who shall remain nameless because they don't need to be named. (laughs) But it has been, they have tested my boundaries and it was to the point that I finally just found it hilarious because they basically showed me all the areas that I needed to protect. And so it first started with them just basically walking in my house and the front door. So when I visualized that the energy, they'd walk in the front door, I didn't stop them. And so then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll clear my boundaries and I'll make this energy connected then all of a sudden they were going through the back door and then the next visualization or the next circumstance there were side windows and then once I had my house fully connected they were plugging in into outside sockets so it was really interesting they were using the house visualization so I could understand um, just how people can get in and the energy around it so at one point all my sockets I had put visually put these energetic plugs over only I could access it was I was getting there and then and then I had a session with my mentor Baljeet and she was like okay you're like sitting in your house right now and she's like and you're sitting with all the lights off so no one can know your home instead of being like you don't you aren't entitled to have to open the door or answer the door if someone knocks. you just pull open the curtains with your middle finger up <laughs> then I was like so then I had to visualize and create that space for it to be okay to not have to answer every call email text message you know everything that comes through every request you know to accommodate things and then it was like to the point that I the last time I just laughed because when their energy came in they were on my front lawn with a boom box like still and I was anything they're John Cusack Yes. I'm like, no, no. So then from there, this was when I kind of had it. And I'm like, I'm so done with people accessing me in any way, shape or form. I, when it, it was, so it's a process of building my own internal barriers and, and boundaries and energetic containers. So all of a sudden the guides basically pushed the space way far. So then it's like this mansion, massive property, and then there were gates. And then on top of that, they actually placed a dome because they were showing me also the energies of um, helicopters and, mm. and drones coming in. So I was like, damn, people are creative, but thank God they're showing me all the minutia of ways that we expose ourselves. So in order for my clients now not to have to go through that, I'll do a whole rebuilding. So it's quick for them instead of like- yeah. them having to figure it out as they go and catch them and being like, shit, I fell into it again. Yeah. I, think it's, I mean, just to be fair to people as well, there are people who are going to actually be maliciously targeting people in this way and look for the loopholes. But most of what we're talking about is unconscious shit. It is the stuff that is being projected or passing thoughts or lingering in the past and remembering things like all of that kind of stuff all has energy. And so we are giving and receiving of it all the time, consciously and unconsciously. And so, you know, this, we're not trying to say that like these people are, are bad or mean or whatever. A lot of the stuff that we're protecting ourselves from is completely unconscious on their part. They don't even realize they're doing it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have impact. Exactly. And it's also important to also self-reflect with where have I been allowing people in and how has that been supporting me? That was a way that I could help people was just to energetically throw a rope out to them, you know, Mm -hmm. and And so now I'm just very clear and I don't have to tend to it. So here's the thing, when you start out 
building these structures for yourself or you're you're going to be met with a bit of resistance just because it's new it's it's shifting energy in your field you're not used to having shifted but you then don't have to maintain it further down the road so i'll do a check-in every now and again but i have guides at each entrance that's possible i have a very set up field and so they kind of take on the energy for me and i also intend that anything that can come through so i don't block any love so i'm always intentional that pure love divine love can always come through but anything that is unconscious or even ill-willed will either be transmuted at the barrier of my field or it will be returned to them if that's what's necessary in the highest and greatest good so I'm not deciding that that's for their higher soul self and the and the guides to do and then that way it takes it off me from constantly having to figure it out as well. So set it, forget it, check in, see if it's still working, if you're drained at times. It's really important then to go back and say, okay, where where was I? What was the circumstance? Did I feel like I was protected? And so use it as a learning thing rather than um, a negative attribute about yourself. Like this just is a process of uncovering what you need and what's gonna work for you. I love that you mentioned at the start about um, how you said barriers and they were like, no, it's boundaries. And then you just talked about the love being able to get through. And for me, that is the big distinction between a barrier and a boundary. A boundary is a hard wall, a, or a barrier is a hard wall rather, and a boundary is permeable. It has the ability for good things to get through. And I think what ends up happening is we put up barriers because we're hurt, we're disappointed because shit happens um, and, and we're stressed out. So we just start to put these barriers up. And then what ends up happening is we, we minimize our ability to receive the love because a barrier blocks everything. And we do want the stuff that's meant for us. We do want the stuff that's in support of our highest and greatest good. We do want connection to divine love. And so then we have to courageously build boundaries and trust that they are enough and that the barriers can come down so that we are able to come here to experience the life that we came here to experience. We're, we're, we're getting a numbed experience mm-hmm. and a muted experience going around with a wall up. I mean, I can say that that was my like teens and twenties mm-hmm. <laughs> was just walking around with this hard shell. Yeah. And even, and, and I know it's even same true for me, it's where you shut down because you feel that you just can't get hurt again, or you're mm-hmm. not willing to get hurt. So instead of understanding at that time that you can shift the way you show up in relation or show up to feeling like you're getting hurt, it's, it's just easier at the time to throw up a wall. So they often are constructed for good reason, just when you don't know how to do it differently. And even when I work with clients, often I'll see these beautiful little children and like, sometimes they're in vaults or sometimes they're in a castle, but the castle is self-contained and then they feel really lonely. So they've created a space that feels safe that they can somehow decompress and process in, but then the barrier creates space of feeling quite alone, whereas a boundary allows the interaction I feel with the outside world. It's like the castle, but the drawbridge is down mm-hmm. so that, you know, st- things can still come through, but maybe there's still some guards at the gate yeah. who can be like, you know, or do you have good intentions or do you need to to be shown on your way. <laughs> but I, I think we need that connection. Um, we didn't come here as human beings to have isolated experiences. We are social creatures. Even the most introverted and hermity of us still needs a little bit of people. Um, you know, we came in here to have experiences of this nature. That's why we chose to be a human at this time and not, you know, sometime where we are completely disconnected or where we would be like, 
I don't know, like a, a tortoise who's just like cruising around by himself. Not, you know, I don't, I don't know if even if they're, they're solitary creatures, they seem like they would be, but you know what I mean? Like we, we chose to be a human. We chose to be a human now. So let's learn the lessons and also let's put the things in place that make it feel safe for us to learn the lessons that mm -hmm. we came here to experience. Yeah, I know comparatively, I always say Serena is very um, sociable because I, I'm very much an introvert and I'm a, I'm a quality time person. So if I'm in it, I want to be face to face. If someone says, oh, let's just meet up for a quick half hour, like that does not feel good in my books because that's just feels like all this time and energy goes into something. And, and it's no offense to that person. That doesn't mean that's not worth my time 30 minutes, but I love to just go deep. And so quality time for me is everything. But if you're a words of affirmation person and you require, you know, constant texting back and forth, there are little things, that's a different calibration that I find really exhausting and I often can't keep up with. And it's, I've had a lot of shame around that over the years because I've made myself wrong. But when I could finally realize like I'm all in, my phone is tucked away when I'm with you. I find there's like this really beautiful connector with that for me. And I also know sometimes that is a shielding mechanism as well to not have to necessarily push past certain boundaries. But And I think it's a matter of, I mean, we only have, we have a finite amount of energy, right? And so we need to do the things that fill that cup. And um, for me, <laughs> so I, I am an extrovert, but because I'm also so deeply sensitive and intuitive, um, I'm mindful of who I want to socialize with and who I want to spend time with. I like to go deep like you do. And I like to be able to bring presence, but I will do it way less frequently than most extroverts because if that person isn't entirely soul nourishing, I know that we got to limit some of the contact and maybe see each other a little bit less. Um, because it's not, again, it's not about, it's not about who they are or whether they're good or bad or anything. It's, this is not a judgment thing. It's about alignment. It's about what feels right. And, um, Let's talk about that actually, because we wanted to talk about energy and the body and how we know. And I think the way you started it when we were before the call today, we were saying, what, what are we going to talk about? You were talking about yes. How do you know it's a yes? So why don't we start there? Because I feel like that's probably the most relatable thing when mm -hmm. people have to make a decision and it's not entirely a heady process. They, they want to bring it into the body and the energy. So let's talk about the energy of yes, yes mm -hmm. or no. Yeah, I mean, for me, it looks different. Um, so how would I like to describe my yeses and nos? And so here's the thing, it's going to be really finding out what works for you and how you connect in. So for a long time, I used to muscle test, um, but there was a really important point made when I first learned to muscle test that if you don't trust your body, or if you're not sure if you're clear, your body won't necessarily give you direct feedback. And also it's with how you ask the question. So if you can say, um, for example, like, oh, should I eat this? Yes or no? And it's a yes. But if you say, is this the highest and greatest good for me to eat this? You might get a different answer. So 
learning to muscle test with yeses in the beginning for me was really about getting crystal clear on the question I was asking mm-hmm. and really developing that trust within myself. And also if I'm wonky, often my body would be off. So I needed to really learn a different way to get that clarity, even with I'm off, because sometimes you're in it and then you're not getting clear signals. So it can feel very deflating if you're like, I just need to know what to do <laughs> and you're not getting it. So for me, there's different ways now the guides work with me and my soul. I would say my soul knowing works with me is I'll feel this expansion in my chest. So I like, and I actually have tested this by doing walking tours and cities I've never been to with where to explore and what to do. So know when my chest feels really constricted, my lungs don't feel full and expansive. And then a yes is like, oh, like I feel like everything opens. And so I've learned to connect in with the breath in myself. And then I am very grateful because I get auditory signals. So often I will hear yes, no. Sometimes if I hear nothing, it's ambivalent and it's either, you know, there is no highest, greatest good. It's just a choice. Um, And other times it's really about looking at, okay, is this actually what I want and, and what I'm asking? Or am I just trying to in my head, figure it out. So the body knowing is very important. And there's a few times in my life where I will say I had every cell in my being respond to what I needed to do. And I, it's not like this is an everyday thing for me. Um, I'm like, how do I talk about this? Because there's some key players I need to fill in for information if they stumbled across this. But I'm just gonna, for now, I feel like we will have a conversation about this later, it will become clearer, but I basically found out information and every cell in my being knew what I needed to do with that decision. And there was no mistaking, no denying it. And so every cell responded and the head and the body often can be conflicting. So for me, it's important to really sink in, into that space within your heart center, breathe into the heart, breathe into your body. And then that way I find the true knowing comes out for me rather than what my head wants to think I should do. Mm -hmm. And how, how about for you? Yeah. I always say the body always knows and the energy never lies because the thing with the head, the head, yes, the head knows like it's, you know, it's tied to our third eye and our crown. It's got those intuition components for sure, but it also has all of our conditioning, all of the shit we've taken on from our parents and from society and from our ego and the shadow self. Like there is so much in the head that we can't always trust it to be the be all end all. Um, I'm in this place for the last few months, uh, I guess almost like six months now where I've been really working on reconnecting with my body. And I remember when you told me the thing about muscle testing, I was like, shit, I have been using this for a yes in my nose this entire process, but yet I'm still in the stage of rebuilding and reconnecting with my body. So yeah, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Uh, what you do with the lungs, I do with the gut. And it's always been that way because it was something that even before I could articulate it, um, I knew that it was the, that it was a message. So Um, I remember someone I knew was staying at this super shady motel, so shady. Um, And I went to visit them and I went to go run to the store. And as I passed by one of the doors, it was like being punched in the gut, like literally like I doubled over. And so when I went back to her room, I said, lock your doors, no matter what happens, no matter who comes knocking, do not open them. Like something bad is going down. And there was a stabbing at the motel that night in that room. So we have we do have these, these inner compass systems within ourselves, right? We just have to recognize how it expresses for us. So for me, um, it's not usually as dramatic as being punched in the gut. It's usually contraction though. So it'll feel like 
whenever I, whenever I take someone through this practice, I say, think about like a really shitty day where your boss yelled at you and you got stuck in traffic and you came home and fought with your spouse. And so your gut will start to contract and the shoulders tend to as well, right? We start to close up and feel like that gross feeling. And then you say, okay, well, that's a no, because nobody wants that as their day. But then when you think about being on vacation and um, you're spending the day at the beach and you can hear the waves crashing and everything starts to open up and feel really expansive. So it's the same thing you're doing with the lungs, but I do it typically with the gut. But I think because it's the gut, it tends to be quite visceral. And so the rest of the body kind of responds along with it. So that was sort of my, that, that has been my inner compass for a long time. And what I noticed is that when the head gets in the way, I start looking for outside people to validate my answers. I actually forget that I have everything that I need. And I start to, um, it's, it's really surrendering my power because I'm not trusting my own knowing, which is really huge. And it's funny when you're, when you're talking about auditory, I do get sometimes auditory or I'll get it in a song or something. But the first time I ever had an auditory experience, I was sitting in an A&W and I was eating a veggie burger and there was about two bites left and I was full, but I had this, I, I still have this programming that I work with of like, you eat the food that's in front of you, you finish what's on your plate. So I had this thought of like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll just finish this burger. <clears throat> and outside of my head, I heard, put the burger down, you're done. <laughs> and I was like, looked around, no one was there. And I was like, okay, thank you very much. Put it down. And it was like the beginning of my angel work. And they really had not been showing up auditorily at all at that point. So it was such like a firm thing. It was like, I had the knowing. I was chewing to, choosing to betray the knowing. And they intervened. And they were like, actually, no, Serena, you are finished. And that is fine. <laughs> so it's not usually as overt as that. This is like my favorite one ever, though, because it was so startling. Like it scared the shit out of me. Um, but it was beautiful and like so clear. And I think that um, the more work we do with this and the more trust we build up in this work, that clarity is there. Whether it's coming from the outside or from within your own knowing, it's like, it's unshakable. It's like, well, yeah, obviously. Like I, I heard that with my ears. I know that to be true. Or I felt that in my gut. I felt that in my lungs, obviously. Like, obviously. I think that you really hit it there with trust because mm -hmm. here's the thing, when you hear something, how do I know it's me or how do I know it's divine guidance? And mm -hmm. that we can get really tripped up on. So I will say when I was really closed down and the only thing I went off of that gut intuition was my intuition. And that's what I thought was my main line. And funny enough, the angels brought in the auditory too. So I like that they're like tuning everyone's auditory <laughs> signals up. But yeah, like, cause some people just know. So how do you trust just that knowing? How do you trust yourself when you get that yes or the no and what to do with that? And for auditory, for me, often it can come through songs. I'll overhear a conversation in passing, but I find if they speak to me, it feels like it comes from the back of my head. So I often, when I really tune in, it feels like it comes from the back of my head where my thinking brain is a little bit up top. If you've never paid attention and you start doing, it's a weird sensation to realize there's different streamlines and a fun way to play with that is like show me yes or like show me how I receive yes so you can command your guides to show you like what your signals are and also be open to change so a lot of people that have the vision you know they'll see yeses or nos or things will light up I've had people describe that they'll actually see things shimmering in a light um, or it will go really dense and dark. So there's different ways, but it's just about paying attention as well. So often um, 
I think we often will say, hey, why kind of we'll be asking someone, hey, what's your opinion on this? And be like, why am I even asking you? And I know why we've am I deferring that. my power. Yeah, yeah, we've had that so much because there is that space of, you know, wanting to talk things out with a friend and being like, oh, no, I'm actually asking what you think I should do rather than checking in with myself. And I think it's tricky. Like, I don't know. I can't speak for you, but I'm an auditory processor. So some of it is I have to talk it out. But I do notice that when I'm in a little bit more of a shaky or a vulnerable state, my talking it out, and I use air quotes here, uh, is actually uh, looking to someone else for permission. And at the state of the game I'm in right now, when I catch it, I'm like, oh, Serena, we are cutting that shit out. Like, this is Serena of 10 years ago. And and I, I don't want to get to the place of, I should know better. It's It's more like, we've done this lesson. Like, it's, we can close this door now. You are an empowered badass bitch. <laughs> You don't have to ask permission from anybody for anything. And so, you know, if, if we're getting input, that's one thing. But if we are deferring our own knowing to somebody else, we're betraying a part of ourselves. We're betraying the wisest part of ourselves that had the answer in the first place. And I just want to add to that, that is an inner child programming, you know, mm. and, and that's what I often see, because guess what happens when we grow up, we need to ask permission, we often will go either follow our knowing and get in trouble sometimes for it, or we need to ask permission to follow action on our knowing. So there is really that sense of also acknowledging that your inner children are often used to looking at figures of authority for permission for what to do with their lives. And this is why, you know, you want to have, you know, a boss's approval or friend's approval or get input from other people, because often that's what we've been raised doing. So it's really also important to give yourself compassion if you find that come in, because that's just an inner child program that's kicking up being like, but but I need to ask, you know, for permission to do this and then shift that to be like, okay, well, what does my soul or what is my heart or what do I need in order to make this feel good for me? And remember that you are the authority. Yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. We're, we're skipping over all like the physical tools that you can use for answers, like Oracle cards or even like a pendulum if we're looking for a yes or no. And we're doing that on purpose. Um, and I want to share something that came out of my solo retreat a couple of weeks ago where I was <laughs> sitting in a lot of my trauma, to be honest, and really examining the roles and the relationships that, um, of how I showed up for myself or how I betrayed myself in these situations so that I could understand things differently. And intuition became a big part of the conversation. And it's the thing that you always carry with you, right? It's not something you need to have in your bag that you pull out to get the answer. You have it within you. And the conversation I was having was around potentially unsafe situations that turned out to be completely fine versus sh situations that should have been completely safe that turned out not to be. And they said that the, the difference was intuition, that I was able to step into these arenas that had potential for harm and know that they were okay because everything in my system said like, there are no red flags here. And when I was looking at the situations that I stepped into that should have been, and air quotes again, should have been safe that weren't, in every single one of them, I was distracted. I was working, I was inebriated, I was doing other things or whatever. And it's almost like, much in the way that the shadow self kind of expresses itself when our guards are down. It was like these, these opportunities had their way of being able to get through because I wasn't listening to my intuition. I wasn't tuned into myself. I was doing other things at the time. And so we want to make sure that you have the, the yes and no within yourself so that when you're out there navigating the world, that you have what you need to be safe. So you have what you need to guide you into the most beautiful experiences that you might not have even had access to otherwise because you wouldn't have thought to go there. And so yes, tools are great and 
you know, like Oracle cards are beautiful and whatever, but your own innate knowing like that is where the superpower is. That's the important piece. I do. So I love that that's what came through for you, but I do just want to make it very clear that if you have had something that a lot of people feel it's their fault because they didn't listen to it. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's definitely not a matter of fault yeah. at all. So, cause I've had a lot of people really saying my intuition, I didn't listen. And then this bad thing happened and I created it. So if you have been in an experience and you were like, holy shit, this is my fault. Or you've taken that on. I want to say this, we're talking about navigating the day-to-day life. If you have experienced harm due to someone else, please do not make this that you weren't following your intuition at all. Um, and I do, yeah, the guides just want to make that important because often we do that self-blame. I didn't listen. I should have done something differently. And, you know, had I had listened, I wouldn't have gotten in trouble. And that is also really deep seated inner child stuff. Mm. Of, I've been bad. So I deserve the punishment. And that is not what we are talking about at all. We are talking about the tools that can help you, but it, it's just really about, doing the best you can. And it's about learning and evolving and showing up to whatever circumstances come in and knowing that we are ever just navigating it and figuring it out and no one has their shit fully together. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, the other thing too, with that, and I mean, I feel like there's a whole episode in terms of intuitive development and our gifts and whatnot, but um, what worked for you today might not work for you tomorrow. And the, the commitment to their growth and the involvement and the reconnection with the trust in particular, trust within yourself and trust in the divine um, is really important because then you're going to get to just have new things to try and find new and stronger and better ways. And you just start to build your energetic arsenal so that when the situation presents itself, you have something that you can do to help to guide you. And tools are cool and they're fun and whatever, but I really, really, really want to encourage you to develop this knowing within yourself because you're all you got, baby, all the time, 24-7. It's always you. So having that relationship with yourself and with your knowing is so important. And talking about tools, I'm going to use one now. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It's time for our weekly message. Or I guess a bi-weekly message. Yeah. Uh, so the guides before really wanted us to use Oracle cards. So funny enough that uh, instead of just doing a channel message, they did want to use cards. We are using the Archangel Oracle card deck by Diana Cooper. So this is a beautiful little deck and I'm just going to see what they want to bring for it. And as always, I just always ask whatever's in the highest and greatest good that wants to come through. Okay. Ooh, interesting. Okay. So the card, so the first card that came in, they popped in a couple different ones. So what they're bringing in with this is beings you can call in for support and also just being mindful of themes that are emerging for you. So Archangel Sandalfin is the first one that comes in and the card itself just says, tune into your divine potential, bring the world into harmony. Now bring the world into harmony. That seems like a big fucking task. <laughs> so I would say, how can you bring your inner world into harmony? So what I'm being shown is really about bringing yourself to that space of serenity and stillness within. And we are in a big time right now of emotional upheaval. So it can feel like it's hard to even grasp 
onto anything right here and right now. So Sandalfen is really showing me allowing the essence of music to carry you right now and put on favorite tunes, put on guided meditations, whatever you're feeling you need to really help the energy flow around you. And he's also just showing me this really beautiful connector of bridging you in between the earth and into the heavens right now. And when I say heavens, I mean creator truth, the highest source and greatest good. Um, so there is that space of him really connecting and elongating your own energetic field back to the vibrancy that's necessary. So he's showing a lot of people have contracted and those bubbles that we talked about, those barriers of protection have come in to just try to get through the day. So that's okay if that's where you feel you've ended up. He's saying, call me in and I can reconnect you back to the earth star chakra and back up into the stellar gateway. And then that way you can re-elongate your energy, feel safe. And he's showing then you'll just be ready for those barriers to fall away. And in addition with him, Archangel Zadkiel is stepping in and he is my beautiful go-to guide for the violet flame. And so the violet flame is this purification. It's this transmutation energy. So it's really beautiful that you have this elongation of reconnecting you back to your vibrancy points while also transmuting anything and everything that's coming up for you. So if you're feeling extra emotional right now, call in these beings to really help support and let the energy move through. You might find yourself needing to physically move so if you need to dance go out for a run just get yourself kind of up and off the couch is what they're showing me to allow the physical body to move and they're also saying so we are in this recreation time on earth and we know it doesn't feel that way because it's hard to visualize what would a new earth look like so they're just saying connect into that stellar gateway connect into that star light energy for just downloads and key codes so they're saying the more you keep yourself in a barrier you're actually not even allowing your own divine knowing to come through because you're stuck in that fear body so if you can allow yourself to reconnect to the earth star chakra the stellar gateway into the creator source truth it's going to allow you to reconnect back into that unconditional flowing streamline so you feel safe to let the fear body dissipate and dissolve um, and with that the last card they brought in was your guardian angel mm. and so we often forget that we have these beautiful beings that have been with us through the beginning. Yes, we do have a changing of the guard period that can have, but I find your staple guardian angel never shifts. So we often will go to the archangels or the ascended masters or the animal messengers or all the other beings, but forget that our tried and true are with us all the time. And our guardian angel just has that safety and that love that can pour in through us. So they're saying if you don't want to do the big work and all you need is like a tender hug right now. Please reconnect with your guardian angel. And if you don't know who that is, I like to do a little bit of like a recording and just allow myself to listen to my own voice leading me into this meditation and then say thank you to my beautiful guardian angel or angels for your revealing yourself now. Trust any names that pop up for you, feelings that come into your body. Allow yourself to just be with that energy and they're saying your guardian angel will also help you to feel safe to step back out again. I got you. <laughs> got you <laughs> thank you for that thank you it feels it's interesting because we're recording this episode you know like two weeks or whatever before it's going to air but it feels potent even now like it feels like the message for the future but it also feels like some of the work that is happening right now and um I just love how clear of a channel you are and you always bring forward just the most tender and beautiful messages 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> As I hesitantly have a hard time receiving that. <laughs> That's okay. We're all flexing the muscle, right? And uh, I did promise that I was going to tell you guys about this thing that I'm cooking up. So let me kind of just drop this in here at the end of the episode. I'll make sure to link all the details in the show notes so it's easy for you to find. But this, this need for trust, this need to reconnect, um, a lot of this is tied to our loss of ritual. And we're just not making the time to connect in the way. And, and that's not everybody, but a lot of us are, or we're doing it really intermittently as opposed to having an ongoing regular routine, a regular path. And I wanted to create an, an avenue that would help you explore different types of ritual, different things that you can bring into your practice and hopefully inspire you to commit in a way that you can continue to show up for yourself, for your intuition, for your guides and so on. And so I've put together a weekend virtual retreat called A Weekend of Rituals. And um, we've created in two really beautiful channels. So one is you can come and just book an individual workshop and come in, especially if you don't have the time or even the inclination, you can come and just book an individual workshop. But if you book the entire weekend pass, there are extra events, there are extra bonuses, um, and you get all of the recordings. So even if you're in a funky time zone, or even if you're not in a space because it's summer that you have the time to be able to just dedicate an entire weekend to this, then you have all of this at your disposal to dig into when the time is right for you. So Weekend of Rituals, uh, all the details are on my website. I'll link to it in the show notes and you can check it out if that feels aligned for you. It's happening on June 25th to 27th to anywhere that you have an internet connection. <laughs> and I know people are getting tired of Zoom, but I miss holding space. Rochelle and I both hold retreats and like, I don't know about you, but it's, I'm, I miss it. I miss people. Yeah, I'm, I'm craving that in person. And I, I know other people are craving that too. But it's important to keep engaged with the communities that are really heart centered and intentional right now. Um, mm -hmm. while we navigate still with this technological world. Yeah, I'm thinking of it as like the next best thing as opposed to the be all and end all. <laughs> but I will say that it has been really interesting to watch the transition of magical work in the online space. So if you're someone who has ever questioned the possibility or the potency of this work, let me tell you, it translates mm -hmm. and it's pretty great. So <laughs> that is it from us this week. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us. And we are looking so forward to jamming with you again in another couple of weeks. Bye. <laughs>